Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Joplin Globe Potters, brought to you by the Joplin Globe Sports Department. I am Trey Vaughn, and again with me are Derek Shore and Jared Porter. How are we doing today, guys? Hey there, uh, doing well. Another week's come and gone. High school sports are flying by. We have a you know a big rivalry matchup to talk about today, and much more. All right, doing all right. Yeah, second what Derek said. There we go. Um, so we have some changes or some updates with the podcast. We do now have an email uh, for you listeners. If anybody wants to send in an email with suggestions on things to talk about or uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions on, on how we're doing on the podcast, uh, you can do that. And you can also email the podcast now for uh, Miners Bowl tickets between Pittsburgh State and Missouri Southern this weekend. Uh, email email globepotters at joplinglobe.com. Uh, to get those free tickets up to four a person. <clears throat> All right, guys, uh, let's begin the podcast with s- just some discussion on the St. Louis Cardinals. That sh- long streak has finally come to an end, um, as all good things must end. A 17-game winning streak does come to an end last night against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, but what have we seen from the Cardinals over that stretch, and what do we think this does for them as they go into the playoffs? Yeah, just uh, like you said, an incredible uh, winning streak. But uh, unfortunately, uh, good things do have to end. But it's better that it ended right now than in the playoffs. I thought. Absolutely. You know, I do believe the Cardinals can make some noise in the playoffs because in years past, it seems like you know with wild card teams that you know these teams that sneak into the postseason really kind of do some damage. They mm. often you know the, are hot at the right time, and I think the Cardinals are playing some of their best baseball in honestly franchise history. Yeah, uh, and not not that it means that that those teams can't do good but like you mentioned the wild card teams are usually coming in hot mm-hmm. that doesn't mean the division winners can't can't do good in the playoffs mm-hmm. but they do kind of get into this just kind of coasting through the season mm-hmm. because they don't want to get injuries they don't want to overwork their pitchers you know and that sort of thing um so they kind of get into this motion of coasting whereas the cardinals they're hot right now and they've been uh, you know, really pushing into the playoffs so it does at least bring some excitement for cardinal fans yeah sometimes it's it's <clears throat> honestly better to play on a on reg, a regular basis versus you know having those what three to five days off mm-hmm. uh, but you know as for the cardinals i feel i feel pretty good about their chances going into this uh you know do or die game don't know whether it's going to be against the giants or the dodgers yet that's had that's yet to be decided but you know uh adam wainwright was just announced as the wild card starter today mm-hmm. uh, yeah but i'm i'm hoping for the dodgers versus uh you know playing them in a best of five but yeah, I feel like the Giants have kind of overachieved all year, and you know, just facing them in the the DS would be, kind of, I think, the Cardinals' best route to the you know league championship series for sure, for sure. Um, lastly, I will mention. I think the one thing I'm concerned about about the Cardinals is that starting rotation. I don't know yet who our three you know arms we're going to try to rely on as starters will be. Um, and obviously, Wainwright's going to be one of them. After that, you know, is is it going to be John Lester and Miles Michaelis? Is it going to be John Lester and Jay Happ? Um, you know, do they do they let Woodford throw it all um, as a starter? I don't know. So uh, that question mark really does have me nervous. But I think the bullpen has been strong enough all year that that it can kind of make up for any difficulty that the starting rotation has. Absolutely. I mean, you know what you're getting out of Wayne, right? Uh, consistent six to seven innings every time he goes out. I mean, Michaelis was better, you know, this last time out. He really seemed like he came along. But after that point, I just feel like they're kind of, you know, bullpen by committee. Really. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll see. Okay. Let's jump into prep sports, guys. Uh, Jared, what do we have coming up this week in high school football matchups? 
Um, we got Carthage is at home against Willard. We have Web City um, playing host to who was it again? I can't remember. Uh, Web, Web City plays host to Branson. So Branson, okay, that'll be an interesting mm-hmm. one. And then yeah. we have Carl Junction and Yosho, which uh, might be the closest local game that we have mm-hmm. this week because Joplin is at, on the road at Republic, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, I guess we'll just start off with that Carl Junction Yosho matchup. It's a um, two teams in the COC that are trying to get back on the right track. Um, Carl Junction suffered a forty-two six loss last week mm-hmm. to Web City. In a, in a game where they were kind of depleted, um, mm-hmm. a little shorthanded. Yeah, uh, Coach Buckmaster noted after the game, and this was a really good point, that in the first four weeks or so, they, are, they had already played Carthage, um, Joplin, and yeah. Webb City. And that's a, that's a crazy um, um, start to the season. Mm-hmm. So um, it made sense that, you know, they're, they were a little shorthanded and a, yeah. a little bumped up and bruised uh, through the four, first four weeks. But this is an opportunity for them to get on, on the right path because they've shown already that they have a really good defense. So um, should be a good one uh, against the Wildcats. Definitely. I mean, that's kind of a downside of being, uh, you know, in a, a class four school in the COC, really, Carl Junction. I mean, it seems like, you know, their lack of numbers or, you know, they're uh, just a little bit exposed when they face teams like, you know, Joplin, Carthage, or Web City, those bigger schools. Yeah, Coach Buckmaster noted that, noted that too. Yeah. He, he thinks that they should get more recognition in the uh, the state polls in Class yeah, 4 absolutely. because not very many state or Class 4 teams are going up against, you know, the Carthages, the Joplins, yes. Nixes, and uh, Web Cities. So, um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they match up against Class 4 play once districts uh, arrive. Yeah, that makes a big difference when you're uh, going up against those Class 6 or those much bigger schools in the COC like Joplin and Webb, uh, Carthage. And then, you know, you make it – you get into the state playoffs and you're only facing you – know, and you face those Class 4 opponents uh, that you meet in the, in the state playoffs. So Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, from a Neosho perspective, the, the Wildcats remain winless after uh, after a setback to Nixa. But, you know, putting the record aside, this is just a, a program that continues to make strides, especially on the offensive side of the ball – uh, Coach Towdy loves the growth he has seen from uh, you know, Neosho since week one, and maybe they'll continue to you know, make strides into week, uh, week six against CJ and uh, you know, kind of transitioning into the next game. Uh, you know, Joplin and Willard, they played last week, and uh, the Eagles uh, earned a, you know, a lopsided victory over the Tigers. And just another big game for Always Right. He logged you know, five touchdowns total, three on the ground and two passing. And you know, one thing that just continues to impress me is just his ability to throw on the run, you know, you think it's almost uh, you know Patrick Mahomes out there, but you know he, uh, always is just good at scrambling, and it seems like he can find uh, you know receivers downfield seemingly at will. And you know, if he needs to run, he's fast for his size and just can you know break a lot of ankles, as Coach Jasper said. But uh, you know Joplin has uh, Republic this week, and Republic uh, under a little, little bit of new leadership in uh, Ryan Cornelson, uh, who had a lot of success you know coaching football in Kansas. But I think the Eagles are in good shape for this game again on Friday. Okay. And uh, let me make sure here. You're not you're not necessarily saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but a, no. Pat- a Patrick Mahomes-esque high school quarterback. Patrick Mahomes-esque. Yeah. Got to be careful uh, with the comments. But, but nonetheless, always right is a very fun quarterback yeah. to watch. And as far as um, our midseason COC uh, player of the year candidates, I know you have always up there. Who else would you put up there? Definitely Luke Gall. Luke Gall. Yeah. Carthage running back. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. think the point I was trying to make is like they've those two have kind of separated themselves from the rest yeah, of the league. Yeah, I it think it's like. just a two-headed back um, with those. If Ramon Green obviously didn't get mm-hmm. hurt, um, he'd probably he'd be up there as well. Same with Dupree Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was uh, he missed last week's game against CJ um, for Webb City. And by the way, Kate, Kate Wilson really stuck, uh, stepped up mm-hmm. in that game, scoring four touchdowns, rush, rushing for over a hundred yards. They kind of um, a little bit of a slow start, but I think it got pretty lopsided by halftime. And, um, yeah, you know, it took, again, it was a depleted CJ defense, but um, held their own against them. A CJ defense that's, you know, proven to be pretty good this season. And what about Carthage's matchup this yeah. week? Carthage, uh, Carthage is coming up off of a 42-14 win over Branson, um, a game where it wasn't actually the Luke Gall show. It was Caden Cabanz at quarterback. Um, he scored four touchdowns, accounted for over 280 yards of uh, total offense. So big night for for Caden. I don't even think Luke played the entire game. They're probably just giving him some rest. But um, this is a Branson team again. We, we've talked about them um, in previous weeks. Uh, a team that had a lot of high hopes coming into the year because their senior class now was a team that only suffered one loss throughout all of middle school. Um, so. Yeah, and good good game for Kamath. That's someone that you mentioned, uh, you've been mentioning all season as you know someone you really expected to uh, perform well under center, and he and he can really throw the ball. Um, yeah, I predicted early in the year that he would make a difference for Carthage late in the season in the pass game, and that's mm-hmm. something that he kind of showed us a little bit this past week because he threw for over a hundred yards and I think at least one touchdown, maybe okay. two. So yeah. Um, Showing that he can get things done with his arm, and whenever Carthage needs it, whenever you know defenses are keying in on goal, keying in on commands in the run game, he can open things up a little potentially with, with the pass. Yeah, absolutely. And of uh, of course, the last game we haven't talked about is Web City playing Branson again. This is two teams that we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but um, I figured this is the point where Web City makes its turnaround uh, in its season after two and two start. They looked pretty good last week, uh, mm-hmm. even though they were shorthanded. They were without Cole Vaden and Dupree Jackson okay. um, offensively, and Cade Wilson really took over that game. Uh, you know, it's all it's a, it's a matter of them getting healthy and uh, you know uh, finding their stride down the home stretch. Uh, I think they'll be playing uh, their best football like Web City usually does at the end of the year. Yeah, you got to think John Roderick's going to have those guys ready. Like you said, that two and two start isn't exactly what they were looking for, but after the good performance last week, missing some pieces, you got to think John Roderick's definitely going to have these guys ready to close out this season on a high note. I'll tell you this: their most lopsided loss so far um, was against Carthage, forty-two fourteen. That's not. It's not going to be the same Web City team when they, you know, inevitably meet in the district championship. It's going to be a a, a finer tuned Web City team. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that's going to be a really good game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Missouri Southern last week fell to Fort Hayes State. Jared, uh, this week, and then let's review last week's game and then preview this matchup coming up this week for the Lions. Um, it was a good start offensively for Southern. They tied the game at seven all. Uh, Fort Hayes took an early lead, but then uh, Nathan Glades doing Nathan Glades things. He breaks a uh, few tackles up the middle and uh, goes for, I think, 62-yard touchdown, something like that. Uh, but after that, um, the Lions kind of hit a scoring lull, and that's been the challenge for them throughout the season. They seem to, to hit on things early and late, but it's that in-between where the games uh, seemingly get away from them. So... Uh, I'm sure that's Derek was at the press conference uh, on Wednesday, and I'm sure that's something that Atiba Bradley mm-hmm. addressed. But um, you know they, they've got a um, 
a lot to work on going into a big rivalry game, the Miners Bowl against Pittsburgh State. So, um, Derek, what, what all did Atiba talk about at that press conference? Well, the the just the press conference was obviously uh, you know the Miners Bowl, uh, and I actually the first question I actually asked uh, Coach Bradley was, "What do you remember most uh, you know about this rivalry when you played?" You know, played at Southern back in your playing days, and he said, you know, I hate the welcome to the jungle that they do during <laughs> their kickoffs. But all jokes aside, he said, you know, this will be a big test for the Lions. And, you know, facing a big, you know, a pit defense that's, you know, you know top five in the MIAA and a number of major you know, defensive categories, Bradley said, they cause a lot of problems with some of the uh, unorthodox coverages they show. And, uh, you know, an offense, they have a, you know, a, sl- a gunslinger, a quarterback, and Max Sexton, and pretty talented uh you know receiving core so i think uh southern faces a lot of challenges with Pitt, but you i mean you never know what can happen so and i don't think we touched on this with the game is at two o'clock at fred g hughes stadium in joplin so um if you're free saturday you can go check out uh, a big rivalry in the miaa uh but one thing i think uh Coach Bradley liked after that loss um, to Fort Hayes was um, he, he likes the growth of Dawson Hurl throughout the mm-hmm. season at quarterback. Uh, again, this is a first-year starter quarterback uh, at the college level, and um, we kind of saw that um, he, he was picking the defense apart at times uh, against Fort Hayes and had that one touchdown pass late in the game. So I think as that um, continues to evolve and get better uh, for the Lions in the passing game, that that's going to benefit them in the run as well because we've seen it back to back weeks now I think uh, where Nathan Glades has a bunch of yards in the first half defenses adjust and kind of key in on that they stop that and make the Lions uh, beat them with with the pass game and so far it hasn't worked but we're seeing progress sure let's take a break from football guys let's go back to baseball real quick Uh, Kansas City deserves some attention as well as Salvador Perez leads all of baseball with 48 home runs Uh, do we do just how great I guess has he been this year and then do we see him hitting uh, 49 and 50 before the year is over well first of all I he has been uh, you know steady Eddie all year and I with four games left to play I believe he he reaches 50 I mean he's just been he's just been a machine absolutely so yeah absolutely he's been the one of few bright spots uh, during Kansas City's long long season this year uh, him and Whit Merrifield. Merrifield, of course, is up there in stolen bases as well uh, in the MLB. I'm not sure exactly where he lands, but he's top five, I think, in, in stolen bases. So uh, Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez have really carried this team throughout a tough year. Uh, and I, I'm with you. you got to believe he's going to hit two more in, in the last four games of the season. It's just it, it's difficult, but you got to believe he's going to do it uh, just with the season he's had. So uh, props to Salvador Perez on a great year. <clears throat> Uh, let's jump into college football, more college football, but Division One rather than Missouri Southern's Division Two. Uh, Mizzou, who fell in another one touchdown loss, their second one this year. This one in overtime to Boston College. They will host Tennessee uh, this weekend. I think this is another winnable game, uh, similar to Boston College. You know, I, I expect it to be a good game, but I think this is very winnable uh, for Mizzou. And number eight, Arkansas. Got to keep coming to you, Derek. They keep winning. They're up to number eight. They face number two, Georgia. Uh, do they keep it rolling against the Bulldogs this weekend? I think Arkansas is going to pull up the upset. Going to remain unbeaten. Calling it now. That would be one heck of an upset. Jared, do you do you agree on the upset call here? I keep doubting, and they keep proving me wrong, so uh, I'll, I'll agree with Derek. Well, I'll go with the Razorbacks this week. Maybe, maybe that'll jinx them or something. I don't know. <laughs> So I was with Derek last week. I was all over that A&M upset, but I'm not feeling it against Georgia. 
I think I think their defense is just going to be a little too good. Uh, as for Oklahoma, they will face Kansas State after escaping yet another nail biter. Jared, we just barely got away from West Virginia, just like similar weeks. Uh, what do you expect this week against Kansas State? Who is coming off of a loss to Oklahoma State last week? I don't even know anymore. This Oklahoma team is so <laughs> confusing. I mean, at least they're playing bad and winning. That's the only positive you can really take. Offensively, it's just like, who are you? It's, this is not the same Oklahoma offense we've seen in recent years. Yeah. And defensively even, it's not the same defense. They're, they're winning games with their defense, Yes, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so a positive because of the defense, but a negative because of the offense. You know, We're not seeing the offense that we're used to seeing, but – Thankfully, the defense is playing much better and getting getting through these tough games. And I think offensively, the 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 root of the problem is, and a lot of people are wanting to put it on um, um, Spencer Spencer Rattler, yeah, um, at quarterback for the way he's played. But I think it really comes down to a young offensive line that's not really adjusted yet. And um, yeah, we. There has to be some sort of run game established, and Spencer has to have more time than what he's getting on a yeah. lot of these dropbacks. So um, I think that's where it starts, is you know, becoming a better unit up front. I'm with you 100%. I think Spencer Rattler could be better, sure, but I don't think he's been all that bad, to be honest with you. He has some turnovers, but he has it's not like he's turned the ball over at just an extremely high rate. He's turned it over some, but... He hasn't turned it over, you know, horribly. I mean, heck, Patrick Mahomes has turned the ball over this year. You know, good quarterbacks turn the ball over. I, I don't think you can just claim that Spencer Rattler's the problem just because a few turnovers and, and less points. Uh, I think the offensive line, like you said, it's young. It's also fresh. They're, they're pretty new together. Uh, there's new pieces up there. So uh, I think they need time to mesh and to add to that running game topic, what you mentioned there. Uh, Eric Gray, I think, finished last week's game with like 30 rushing yards, and that's just not going to cut it. I mean, no. you can't you can't have your lead rusher <clears throat> run for 30 some yards in a game. So, and I know that uh, you had some uh, strong feelings <laughs> about the fans booing Spencer Rattler. Yeah, um, and very, I, I agreed with you. Very, very upset. I just think that, like don't do that to your own team. You know, like that no. that seems like some Philadelphia 76ers stuff. Like that, we're used to them booing Ben Simmons and and everybody else. Like I, I don't want to see that from OU fans. Yeah. And plus, these are kids; they're not. But then again, it was kids booing kids, so maybe that's different because I think a lot of it was the student section booing. So, And this is an honest question. Like, What good has ever come from a, a crowd booing its own team? Has anything good ever come out of that? Like, If you can't, if you can't get your own fans behind you, who the heck is going to be behind you? you know, it, it, I can't see any good coming from that. It, it does I understand no the fans' frustrations with sure. the offense. I mean, this fan base has been spoiled with the type yes. of offenses that they've had in recent years. But Lincoln Riley said it best. You know, the, the team's going to play uh, better whenever it's uh, it's getting support from yeah. the, the home crowd. Absolutely, so, I agree. Uh, it, was a, it was a late night game, so maybe everybody was a little more boozed up than they usually are. Maybe. OU fans are used to these noon kickoffs, not these six o'clock, you know, <laughs> where, where they have all day to drink before they go to the yeah, game. Yeah, not used to getting prime time uh, matchups. Instead, we, yeah, like you said, play at eleven o'clock or noon or something. Um, staying in the Big Twelve, as I mentioned, Oklahoma State had a big win last week over Kansas State, so they're up to number nineteen, and they host number twenty-one Baylor. Another big game. I've doubted OSU all year, and they've kind of like you said with Arkansas, and they have continued to win. They're at four and zero in a big matchup against Baylor. Who do you who do you got this weekend? I don't know if I'm still a believer um, in Oklahoma State. They looked really good against Kansas State last they week, did. but this is still a team that barely got by Missouri State and barely got by Boise State 
And one other was a Tulsa. Tulsa, yes. Barely got by Tulsa. <laughs> so, I mean, really, they're, they've played one good game, kind of yes. like Oklahoma. Well, you can't even count Oklahoma's win or blowout win against who was it? Western, Western Carolina or something. I think we said CJ's junior yeah. varsity team. Yeah, but. Diamonds, JV, I don't know. But, um, yeah, but Oklahoma State, that's, that's maybe they're turning a corner here. They, they looked really good last week. They did. So. They did. Um, I, I kind of expect them to win this week. I'm going to go ahead and doubt them one more time and, and let them prove me wrong. I think Baylor's going to get this one. Um, but it is in Stillwater, so uh, OSU probably has the advantage in that sense. And the and Baylor also is coming off a big win, by the way. They just beat Iowa State last week, so both teams coming off big big wins over ranked teams. And then lastly, the the low end of the totem pole in the Big Twelve, Kansas, Kansas is uh, facing Iowa State, who's coming off of a tough loss. So I'm sure Iowa State's looking to get get some revenge from that tough loss and probably run all over Kansas if they can. The Big Twelve is just a mess this year too. Like, it is just like always. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas goes <laughs> goes in there and beats Iowa State. Oh man. Okay, so let's get back into prep sports if we have a little bit that we would like to mention in regards to uh, any any prep sports outside of football, you know, volleyball, softball, any of that. Yeah, a few notes. Uh, Logan Jones set a new uh, Carl Junction Bulldog record for career assist. Uh, she broke Braden Wall, now uh, Webb, old record that stood for seven years. And, you know, Webb is now the, the volleyball coach at Carthage. Yes. Bulldogs also repeated as the CJ Classic champions for the first time in nice. uh, program history. And, uh, you know, in softball, there's seems like there's no real standout team in this area, but Carthage's Jensen Elder uh, just is pitching on a different level at right now. You know, if she, it seems like she goes the distance with 15 to 16 strikeouts uh, seemingly every outing. But, uh, you know, keep an eye out for her. Hobbs Campbell had a big day in cross country over the weekend, setting a Joplin program record with a finishing time of uh, 15 minutes, 39 seconds in Columbia. And, uh, you know, speaking of Jop- Joplin, uh, Astrid Cardenas and Emma Watson repeated as Central Ozark Conference champs in the number ones bracket at uh, you know the COC championships uh, on Wednesday. So yeah, I look for those two to make a, a run at state over the next uh, you know two weeks. Yeah, didn't Emery win another golf tournament recently? Or am I Cameron? Yes, yes, she did. Yeah, Emery Cameron won her fourth straight individual God, title to open the year. Yeah, she's on a roll. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, to open her freshman year. Uh, I'm gonna go back real quick to. Um, you mentioned Elder mm-hmm. and, and how good she's been, 15, 16 strikeouts. Hasn't she thrown a couple of one or two hitters mm-hmm. so far this year as well? I think she's thrown a no-hitter too. A like no-hitter. She's thrown Let's several see. one-hitters. Yeah. Those lines are crazy. Yeah. Like 15, yeah. 16 strikeouts and per game I mean, seemingly. That's that's a lot because you're only playing seven innings in yeah. softball like at most usually. So. And she's doing this against COC competition. So, I mean. It's and not then only allowing yeah, one or two hits. Joke, no yeah. no slouches kind of like there. Hayden Berry last year yes. in the yeah. city. Yes. Yeah. And Web City's another good softball team. Mm-hmm. They've they've had some big big games recently. They have, and so. they, they've they've dealt with, you know, uh, one of their key all state players, Emma Welch, went down with an injury last or uh, a few weeks ago, and now she's back, and it looks like they're kind of, you know, hitting their stride a little bit. So yeah, I'd I'd watch for you know Web City to you know get it going again. Yeah. So props to all of these. Uh, uh, prep teams in the area on their performances as well as individual performances from uh, those like Emory Cameron. And let's close up the show here. Let's go back to some football guys. Uh, the college football committee, college football playoff committee, has been discussing uh, expanding to, to a twelve-team playoff rather than just the fourteen playoff. Uh, they are, though, under some pressure. They apparently only have three, four months to get this approved if they want it to be ready by twenty twenty-four. 
uh, which is still three years away. But uh, rumor is they have three, four months to get this approved or else it won't be uh, here by 2024. If it does happen, do we think this improves the college football playoff? Does it make it worse? Does it not really make a difference? What are your opinions? I'm trying to think of what the argument against it would be. I guess having too many games in a single season. Maybe. Is that one of them? Uh, but no, I think this is a um, this is a very good thing for college football. Um, we, we see it every year. There are people complaining about seeing the same you know four to five teams yeah. in the college fit, uh, playoff every year. So this gives the teams like you know the UCFs of the past or South Florida's uh, teams like that mm. that you know aren't aren't in the a Power Five conference a chance to to break into the mix and um, because we we've always talked about the what ifs when it came to those yep. teams in years past for sure. But um, if you expand the playoff, let those teams get in. I think it does nothing but makes it more entertaining and exciting for uh, the entire fan base. Yeah. For everybody. I, I agree with you again. Because, um, like, this year, one team that stands out to me would be Cincinnati. The Bearcats are in, like, what, the Big East? Or They're going to be Big 12 pretty soon. I don't know. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't even know what conference they're technically in. I don't even know if Big East has a football conference. <laughs> I know they have a basketball conference. Um, but, anyways, I, I don't know what, what Cincinnati's in, but the, it gives them a chance, right? They're ranked, like, seventh right now. But there's, you know, five, six power power five teams ahead of them that if they went out, there's no way Cincinnati gets a playoff spot. Expanding to 12 gives Cincinnati at least a chance to try and prove themselves. Even if they don't hang with one of those uh, power five schools, it gives them a chance to try and hang yeah. with them. And it allows SEC teams to lose four games and still make the playoff. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> Get an eight and four uh, Mizzou team in the playoffs. Yep. So, um but yeah, I think it's great. I think it makes it more exciting. Really, ever since we did the four-team playoff, I've I've not been a huge fan of it. I think I think more teams is just more exciting. You know, I'm not. I don't think we want to go as crazy as college basketball and get a 64-team uh, bracket. But I do think adding teams makes things more exciting. Get for, rid of the New Year's game. Like everybody's yeah. doing something, then it's not that fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, Derek, do you have any? real say on on where you stand i guess on expanding i mean i agree completely with you guys i i just yeah i mean i'll defer with what you guys said yeah, on yeah. This, so. just I, I think more the more the merrier yeah. you know give give another team or eight more in this sense but give another team a shot to win a title michael <clears throat> who are the top three right now in the uh college football yeah um bama georgia are one two bama. and then three is Gosh, I don't know, because OU just got jumped by a couple teams. Uh, three is Oregon. Four, I don't know. I don't know who four is, because OU fell to six. But those are the top three, Bama, Georgia, Oregon. Okay. I was but, wondering how many SEC teams are like right there in the mix. Already two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you've got a few hanging in there. I mean, Arkansas is at eight, so there's another SEC team. Yeah, uh, get more teams in there. This shouldn't be dominated by one conference every year. I one agree. or two conferences. I agree. So unless if we have some things to add, I think that'll wrap us up for another edition of the Joplin Globe Potters. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. I am Trayvon. I'm Derek Shore. I'm Jared Porter. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>